welcome to Forever Canon podcast where we talk about our favorite Star Wars books and how underestimating your problems can ruin your day. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on Forever Canon, we're going to cover chapters 5 through 8 of Legacy of the Force, book 8, Revelation. These chapters were uh, actually pretty good. They're yeah. all long. They are long. I think we said that last time. They're long. I don't know. Twenty. Okay, maybe 20 pages isn't crazy long, but comparatively speaking to the other books yeah. from the other authors, Karen's got long chapters. One of them's like 24 Pushing it. Yeah, it averages out to about 20 pages per chapter for this book. Yeah, the, like consistently throughout the entire yeah, book. Where the last one, I think it averaged out to about 10. Ten. Some <laughs> were three, five, six. Yeah. So more pages per episode this time. And that means more of us talking about stuff every week. Is the same stuff we I don't know, like yeah. to talk about? All right, that was, a, that was a soft sell. But that's what's coming up this week. But first, bum bum bum. Previously, on Forever Canon, Ben is changing minds about Mara's murder mystery. Jaina asks Han how to find a fet. Nyathal volunteers as Luke's little spy. And Kaidus continues to toy with Tahiri. Some little things happening in the first bit of the book. Yeah. Some some weird, awkward character resets in the beginning of the book. And that kind of carry through through these chapters but that was last week this week we start with chapter five and we start with a famous karen travis blurb in mandalorian lore the color blue represents reliability green duty gold vengeance black justice gray mourning a lost love and red honoring a father Mandalorian's Identity and Language, published by the Galactic Institute of Anthropology. That gray color is pretty specific. Yes. <laughs> gray and red. I mean, all right. I guess there's a lot of colors. <laughs> you, can, you can afford to be really specific with it. But, you know, a little more Mando lore and culture for you, because Karen loves a good Mando, and Mandos love a good rainbow. Would that be Mando lore? Oh, no. Not another... <laughs> Same word. <laughs> it's better than saying Mandalore lore. Or is that probably... Mandalore squared? Either way. I hate it. But we're en route to hapes. Mandalore be damned, lore. En route to hapes, where Ben is with his newest babysitter slash super friend helper, Captain Shivu. And they're headed to re-examine the site of his mother's death. Shivu tells Ben... He's doing this for him. He's not helping Ben because he wants to convict Jason of murder. He's like, I can probably do that already if I thought putting him on trial would do anything. Just snapped a bitch's neck the other day in front of everybody. I got <laughs> yeah, witnesses. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I, if that's what I wanted to do, I could do it. Doing this for you, man, because he's a good friend. He betrays the GAG to help Ben. As one of the heads of the GAG, this is some risky business. Did, did they ever say... Like around what age Shifu is? Because I'm assuming he's in like his 30s, right? Well, I, yeah, I think I think he might be close to. He's around Jason's age, which is good, like early 30s. It's a good friend to have when you're 14. Well, when you can think and act like a fucking adult at age 14, the grownups like you better, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're you know, not like annoying. He's a, he's a he's a 
He's not a 14-year-old, regular 14-year-old no. kid by any stretch of the imagination. So I guess, yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. But at the just same the... time, it's like, it's more like a big brother, little brother thing where like Shivu, they bonded when Ben joined the GAG and they like, he trained him and took him out on missions, took him under his wing because it was Jason's little cousin and stuff yeah. like that, right? Give Not special treatment, but like extra help. And he was extra valuable because he was a Jedi and he could tell where bad guys were through the doors and all that jazz that was happening in the first mm-hmm. few books when you know the when the conflict was localized to just Corellia and Coruscant back oh so many weeks ago days days ago weeks ago whatever I guess years you can measure it both <laughs> yeah point problem point two years yeah <laughs> <laughs> give or take so he's betraying the GAG to help Ben which is risky now if we remember back to the last episode one of the Chapter opening blurbs about Shivu's wife saying, be careful. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, look at that foreshadowing. He's dead. Well, <laughs> he's betraying the GAG to help Ben. I'm sure that will be fine. Is he being careful? He ain't. No. They go into the caves of Kavan where Mara appears to Ben as a force ghost, pulls out some of her hair, and they exchange I love yous from beyond the grave before disappearing. Ben's got a clue. Gotta look for hair. Force ghosts are handy for murder investigations and resolutions for your bereavement. Yes. If you could just have contact with the afterlife and be sure that there is such a thing and that the people that you love are there and happy. It would be helpful. Wouldn't that, wouldn't yeah. that just be easier? It would be And easier. then also they tell you who murdered them by pulling hair out of their heads and dropping it on the ground. Seriously, though, the Jedi are spoiled. <laughs> and he gets to tell his mom that he loves her one more time and on the other side of it he gets to the comfort of knowing that she can see him tracking this case like fighting for her living yeah. for her I think he says that a few points probably makes him feel better just to know that she's there watching just him. to have that exactly that yeah. reassurance that you're not doing it all in vain at the very least the ghost of your mom sees what you're doing yeah, and has some sort of assumed appreciation for it. Cause here she is miming, ripping hair out of her head, yeah, ghost head, and giving, giving some help, dropping clues for you. It's nice. It's very helpful. And it gives Shivu the idea to check Jason's stealth X for, for trace, trace evidence, things that have been overlooked. Oh, not overlooked because his X wing was never searched. Yeah. Because three months ago, when it happened, there was no reason to implicate him. Yeah, he was not there. He was somewhere else. He was. It was all... It was Alemarar, and that was the end of conversation. Well, at yeah. first it was Lumaya, and that was the end of conversation. <laughs> and then it was Alemarar for sure, and that was the end of the conversation. So, nobody ever looked into Jason's stealth acts, I guess. Which, how do you, when he's the chief of state, and... I don't know, how many security protocols can he write and rewrite and overwrite and overlook and... No, you're not going to check his stuff. How How is Shivu going to be able to check his stuff? Especially without being caught immediately. Seems risky. Yeah. Cut to Bevin's farm on Mandalore. You'll notice these location tags I have quite succinctly pared down to the key phrases that we need as we move through this book. Yeah. Because it's too much. It's too much to write down all the time and repeat all the time. Ah, la, 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 la. We're on the farm in Mandalore. 
Fat Myrta and company have unfrozen Fat's ex-wife from her 30-ish year-long carbonite catnap. <laughs> she seems pretty all right, considering all the side effects that were listed off to us earlier in the book. She could be crazy forever. She could be, uh, I don't know, glass on the inside. She could, uh, all kinds of problems. Nope, she's just blind and wants her special stone necklace, which seems to be all, the only thing that she remembers. Yes, so far, but it could be, they say the it might sickness. not be a good thing. Yeah, well, I mean. Too many memories flooding back. Especially with the kind of memories that you're going to have when you're Boba Fett's ex-wife. Yeah. It's probably not. He keeps alluding to, like, what a tragic tale it's going to be or whatever, but, I mean, I guess. Slow roll it. Yeah. <laughs> Give her a little drip. A little, a little bit little at titration, a time. A little titration of yeah. information. Like that? Science <laughs> terms? And it was rhymey, too. I didn't mean <laughs> to do that. <laughs> As he comes face-to-face with his awakened wife, he Boba Fett halfway relapses into being the emotionless, autonomous, droidy brain murder machine. Like, he's like, all these books been building up to, like, opening up this relationship with his granddaughter. And they took their helmets off and cried side-by-side side and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's like, he keeps reaching like a new high point for the tide. Yes. Where like each next emotional obstacle is harder and harder and harder for him to face. Right. It started off with strangers on Mandalore wanting him to be the Mandalore. Mm-hmm. I accidentally put emphasis on different syllables there. And I, I'm, I'm just going to assume I was right. It sounded right. So then it graduated from that to your daughter is dead. And here's your granddaughter. So now it's a, Closer relation. And then we step up the next step to your ex-wife. Like it's getting... The steps are not... They're not... This is not a, a straight incline. Yeah. This is a half pipe. It gets very <laughs> steep past the, the initial curve. So he's struggling with his emotions. Yeah. Shockingly. He detaches a bit. So he's like, okay. Yeah. But luckily, he doesn't have to worry about that for too long because a little distraction has shown up on Mandalore by the name of... Jaina friggin solo. And he says 10 bonus points for having the gall to come here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. Just, you know, on some, whatever imaginary <laughs> unkept scale, 10 points. Yeah. Just 10 points. They don't matter, but give it know. to him anyway. I like it when Boba Fett does it funny. Right. Yeah. Cut to that tap calf in Keldabe where we left Jaina solo last time. Picking up with her having a blaster pointed in her face. And we were like, oh my God, is that Boba Fett? It's got to be Boba Fett. Turns out it's not. (laughs) Just two Force-sensitive Mandalorians who've clearly picked up on her power. Force-sensitive Mandalorians. Yeah. Could there be a more dangerous <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. Or a more dangerous coffee shop? Welcome. This is is the world's most dangerous Starbucks. Welcome to... Uh, as you used murder machines with magic powers <laughs> my, my murder machines if anybody remembers mighty machines from tvo yeah Canada, it was amazing canadian television it was fucking great it's so good but yeah that's not good <laughs> no this is like again speaking of like raising the stakes another level like consistently she comes to mandalore and the traffic control gives her a hard time and then she lands, and then a dude who's a little bit more intimidating gives her a bit of a harder time. 
And then she goes to the cantina and <laughs> step up the threat level to maximum. Yeah. Because it's, it's force sensitive bounty hunters. Yeah, right up to go from a nice, like, tension level of five right to ten. Well, because, you right know, away. She, she was thinking she was going to just, no pun intended, fly under the radar and just, like, casually get a hold of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. But instead, she's forced to reveal her identity and present herself and her wish to see Boba Fett. She's got blasters and four sensitive dudes pointed at her in the tap calf in the in the cantina. Yeah. So she has to give up the goose, tells him her information, and tensions subside from thirteen out of ten to the regular seven out of ten for a stranger in a Mando cantina. Yeah, it's good. She's That's able. Fun. to... Everybody puts their guns down. Whoa, good step. Yeah. You know they like chirp back and forth. Stop pointing them at her. That's yeah. We'll get them out of her face. That's good. That's a step up. And then Fett shows up. And Karen Travis gives us a pretty incredible entrance for him. And I say that because it's kind of a subversion where Boba Fett walks in the door of the cantina. All the heads turn for a second and then they ignore him. Yeah. And Jane is like, well, it kind of looks like him, but it can't be him because nobody gives a shit about who just walked in the door. (laughs) And then he walks over close enough for her to see all the, the Wookiee scalps that he's got braided on his armor and stuff yeah. like that. And I just thought, man, that was so, that was perfect. He had to be like a meter or so away for her to recognize how much danger she was in. Yeah. Like that's Boba Fett in a nutshell. Unassuming somehow mm-hmm. in the armor, but closes that distance real fast and makes her shit her pants almost, in, you know, instantly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, this is bad. And she's like, oh, I see what dad was talking about, about the visor and not being able to see his face. That's scary. That's bad. I don't like it. <laughs> no. it's hard. That's a hard negotiation. <laughs> so Can't gauge his reactions in any way. Once she's sure that it's actually him, they exchange some small talk. How's your mom and dad type stuff? Mm-hmm. As you do. Then it's on to business. Fett assumes that Jason is using Jaina to buy ships, those fancy new Beskar ships. Mm-hmm. And Jaina counter-offers Boba Fett into stunned silence when she says, teach me how to capture him and stop him destroying the galaxy. It's a bold move, Cotton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see if that one pays off. I don't know. Boba Fett seems to be in the bit of a middle of an emotional roller coaster right now. His entire His life, ever since his dad died, and then he never really cared about anything after he left his wife, which was like a few short years span, those mm-hmm. two incidents. No, well, that can't be right. Like 10, 10 or so years. His dad died yeah, when he was a Yeah, because he... His he, dad didn't die when he was 17. He married Sintas sometime when she, he was like 17 or 18 or yeah, something. so like, whatever, 10 years. Yeah. And then never care about anything again for 70-some, 80 years. Very linear How, path. However long it is. And then now, all of a sudden, all the things he's been running from all his life are just fucking crashing into him at... In a, a, a hilariously consistent rate. <laughs> like, he's not, he hasn't dodged a bullet in I don't know how long. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't use like light speed or something. Emotional bullets. So well, I'm not that smart. <laughs> okay. Okay. You only get puns when they, I don't know, well, naturally when they, fruit when they pop in. Yeah. I can't, we can't force these things. I say with a handful of written notes in my <laughs> hand. All right. See, that I can't, it's bad. Chapter six starts with. A famous Karen Travis blorb. Ha'atik o arue, jate shaya oreso aru ikin no bayatik. 
Better one big enemy that you can see than many small ones that you can't. It's different inflection in different languages. Mandalorian proverb. They don't have very many vowels. <laughs> you know what's stupid, too? The abundance of apostrophes. Yes. It's a little much. Yeah. Thought of... I mean, I mean, are you going to pronounce it that much differently if they're just spaced out individual words? Or, uh, like, combined into a singular word? Eh. Probably not too much. No, it's like a cheap psychological trick to give the impression of of a different language. Complicated language. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Mando, Mando, whatever. Jason is one big enemy. The GA army is the many little enemies. Does that make sense? Is this what this proverb is applying to? Boba Fett's going to focus Mandalore on Jason instead of on the war? I don't know. No. I don't know. Because we don't start there, we start in Coruscant, in Shivu's apartment, where Ben has a chat with his dad, makes a simple phone call, and they exchange identities of their trusted spies, Shivu for Nihathal, straight up. Yeah. Useful spy to have, that shot Nihathal. Yeah. The Joint Chief of State, Admiral <laughs> of the, of the, the Navy. Alliance Navy. And then they have a couple of nice interactions, they actually have a pretty sweet little conversation, where once again... Ben is able to surprise his dad with his wisdom or clear headedness or level headedness. Mm. It's let's nonstop with this kid. It's weird how and I love it. <laughs> well, well, not weird. I'm just gonna um, sarcastically weird <laughs> that once they started talking to each other, this the whole thing started turning around. Right? This started happening like you know in the last book. Who started it? Was it Luke and Ben? Or was it Jaina and her parents? Who got back together first? Did Luke? Well, it was kind of simultaneous. Yeah, no, it, was... it wasn't. No, it was Jaina with her parents first when Kashyyyk was being burned. Mm-hmm. And then Ben at the end of the next book when Luke rescues him from the embrace of pain. Yeah, and then they were all together at one and point. And then after that, after the two, the remaining child and parents <laughs> reunite themselves... Then they reunited together, and now it's like snowball effect. Yeah, now they're talking and realizing. Now they, now they have a joint chief of state as a spy for Luke Skywalker. You yeah. know, because he's awake. Yeah. And participating. And I don't know. It's, it's amazing. You're right. It's yeah. amazing. It's sarcastically amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but in the conversations that Ben's having with his dad, he, uh, I think, smartly decides not to tell him. That Mara's Force Ghost visited Ben. Yeah, he doesn't want him to. He doesn't want to make his dad all upset all over again. Yeah, he doesn't want him to relapse. Coming out of his shell. Yeah, pretty much, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Once again. And by the way, Dad, Mom's talking to me, and not you. Wise, thoughtful, fourteen-year-old, right? Like, mm. That's that's like foresight. Yes. That uh, uh, this book just gives you the wrong impression about teenagers. Yes, it does. They're not this smart. No. Thirty-year-olds are not this fucking dumb. No, not always. But is this book not for 30-year-olds? It's for teenagers and young adults. Yes. And so... <laughs> it's for the people is that, that are happening? still still developing. Is, that, is yeah. that what's happening? Jason used to be cool when he was like 21. Now that he's 30, he's fucking old and he's got weird ideas about the world, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it could be. Cut to Nyathal's Suite. Where Admiral and Joint Chief of State Cha Nyathal is considering how best to hide her spying from Jason. 
she thinks to herself, I should just continue to act like I can't stand him because it's true and easy. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a good cover. Just keep those surface yeah. thoughts on the surface. <laughs> I, I, I you, you fucking skated on the surface of that one, man. <laughs> but she's right. Like that's the best cover is the closest to the truth, right? The the less you're lying, the less you have to show. Yeah. That's all. It's a good cover. How am I going to fool Jason? Keep acting like I hate him because I do. And then he arrives for a meeting about <laughs> teaming up with the Empire. As we had seen earlier in the in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. He wants to team up with the Empire to win the war. And him and Nyethal, he and Nyethal, managed to actually agree on this. And then they admit that they hate each other. Yeah. And then she asks Jason if he's a Sith. <laughs> Are you trying to die? You're a regular lady. The last person that asked him that was Mara Jade Skywalker. And he ripped her hair out and killed her with rocks and poison. His reply. Yes. Jason said quietly. I am a Sith. Hey, Tim. What just happened? What what <laughs> and then he leaves immediately and shivu comes walking down the hallway into the office for another meeting <laughs> what the hell is happening did he he must have seen him he must have sensed him he's coming uh shivu's coming to get nyathal to set up the their ability to check jason's stealth act he's coming to get her to sign sign documents and you know, uh, tune up uh, the whole fleet, the yep. whole GAG fleet, whatever uh, space-worthy vehicles that they have. But what is happening? The whole lot of truce being said. <laughs> he tells her she's a Sith. He tells her he's a Sith. And she just says, oh, yep, okay. Well, you should teach some of that Sith stuff back at the academy. And I'm just going to try to keep a straight <laughs> face or something. Like, yeah. what the hell? For, fortunately, she's a fish lady, and it's hard to read their faces. Right. But now I understand this book is titled Revelation. <laughs> okay, but once again, Karen Travis is backdooring me with this subverted <laughs> expectation of what the revelation is going to look like. Yeah, you think it's going to be, or Jason especially thinks it's going to be, and so that makes us the reader think. It's going to be some grand decree and some gigantic show of power and authority. But it's him sitting in someone else's office just like, yes, I am a Sith. Bye. Gotta go. <laughs> Sith shit to do. <laughs> what the hell just yeah. happened, yeah. man? That was so under the radar. Jason Solo just admitted he was a Sith to a regular person. Yeah. For only... Not another Sith. Yeah. For only really the... Very, very first time. First time. Very, very first time. Yeah. That he's and re- didn't kill her. Yeah. It's the only time he said it out loud to anyone other than Lumaya. Yeah. Or maybe Alema, but yeah. Tahiri. Yeah. Bad people. Yeah. Not the Joint Chief of State and Admiral <laughs> of the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> you just told her it's you're so a Palpatine. Oh. You just told her. <laughs> you just told her what's happening. I didn't even. Oh my god! Put that in my head. This guy has no guidance. <laughs> no. Alema called it. 
Cut to the tap calf and Keldabe. <laughs> where I am still rattled. I'm a Sith. Cutscene. I am still rattled from the previous scene. And then Boba Fett takes his helmet off while talking to Jaina. Once again, what just happened? <laughs> He's never taken his helmet off for almost anyone. He did it for his granddaughter. He did it for some Mandalorians. That's like it. Yeah. Jaina Solo comes to town and a helmet start popping. What is happening in this book? That the actual like end of the book revelation better be something huge. Oh my god. Why is this happening? Okay. I'm not saying it's bad. I love it. Yeah, this, no, it's great. This book is wild all of a sudden <laughs> in the last six sentences. Yeah. It's gone crazy. <laughs> and I I can't I can't believe it. Anyways, no helmet on. He and Jaina exchange arguments about why the hell Fett should help. And he comes across, I'd say, an interesting thought in the middle of their negotiations. He thinks to himself, do it. Jason Solo (laughs) needs removing because there'll still be plenty of business in his wake. And there's no irony finer than the Jedi elite fighting their own. Twin on twin combat just like the Vong boys always wanted. Shame most of them are too dead to enjoy it. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I forgot how hard that invasion story in the NJO leaned into the magic twins. Yeah. I knew that they were both superstars of everything that happened and heroes of the war. Mm-hmm. I haven't forgotten that. But I forgot how bad like Savon Law wanted them to fight each other specifically yeah. because they were like avatars of their historical gods or something like that. That's what they thought. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause twins were so rare in the, in I the forgot about that. Yeah. That's such a nice little lore drop that she brings back from through, through her Mandalorians. Oh man. I forgot that. Yeah. And it's something that hasn't been brought up in this book series other than the occasional, you know, commenting on the disconnect between the twins. There's no yeah. playing up of the idea of how special it is that they are super powerful, force sensitive twins, mm-hmm. just like Luke and Leia, you know? And Oh my God. I was just reminded of that when I was reading this, I forgot all about that. And you know what? If you don't know anything about that, I'll tell you this. Find out on episode 200 ish. When we get around to the new Jedi Order, probably in a year and a half or so. Come catch up with us then. Check it out. No, follow along all the way. That's not what I meant. Did you say 200-ish? That's like three years from now. We're on like episode 57. You're right. Okay, I didn't do that math good. No, not at all. Uh, but it's okay. Uh-uh. What if the, what if the books get shorter? Point. Hey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Salvage. <laughs> but seriously, Mandos are weirdos. And Boba Fett is extremely complicated. Although he agrees to train Jaina. Instead of trading credits, paying, being paid in money, she's going to be put to work as a mechanic. Because... Reasons. <laughs> Alright. Uh, chapter 7. Starts... I don't know. Okay. Let's go back. What is the reason? What is the reason he doesn't take money? He's like, I don't need it. And she'd be better put to use helping Mando. Right? 
put her put her to work helping Mandos instead of just taking her money and using that to help all the Mandalorians because it's gonna be way more money than her hands can help you in mechanic hours. Yeah, I, I don't know. Guess is it is it the uh, psychological flex of dominating your lifetime rival's daughter like in an embarrassing sort of way or like go fix our ships and i'll teach you how to fight yeah is it a bit of that like he's not doing he does not he's not thinking that way no it's not like a insidious sort of thing no like what is the reasoning i think maybe he's thinking because of all his emotional upheavals and up and downs and all this Maybe he's starting to think like the leader of the of the group rather than I was. That's a good point because that was kind of the direction I was just thinking as I was looking at the snow that hasn't stopped for like thirteen fucking hours. Mm-hmm. I think it's that what you said, and then another like a uh, degree of um, he's trying to prove a point to all of his Mandalorians. We can work with the outside world, and we can have them work for us. Even the daughter of Princess Leia and Han Solo. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, look at the connections that we can make if we just don't shoot everybody in the face right away. Yeah. See the uh, maybe see the powerful people that we can get to work for us or with, with us. us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, that kind of leads us directly into chapter seven's uh, Karen Travis famous blurb. <clears throat> No Mandalorian soldier should have to fight an ROT's war for the price of a day's food. No Mandoad should have to fight at all except to defend Mando Yaim, his home or his family or because he wants to. We have to stop being the tool of governments that don't care if we live or die so long as we do their bidding. Kadika, also known as Venku, addressing an informal gathering of clan leaders. Kind of just what we accidentally came around to at the end there. Yeah. We we need to stop being a tool of other people and be our own people. Yep. Yeah, right? Be, Essentially. Be a, like a what? sustainable culture or something. Why are we the blaster at the end of someone else's Hand. warship, you know? Like, yeah. Why? Why? Why, don't, why aren't we the warship? Look at what we have. Look, especially now that, you know, all the people have come back. So many people are, are returning to uh, Mandalore. Look at what we have. Look at what we can build. We found this best car. Look how rich we are. Let's do this shit. Yeah. Let's stop being other people's fucking jockeys, man. I like that. It's like a, I don't know. Over the course of these books is an entire cultural revolution for Mandalore hidden, not hidden, but sprinkled throughout. Yeah. Like major, massive zeitgeist thinking changes. Yeah. Like the way that they approach things. Or, or yeah. They went from being like, how they yeah, want to live from he, like up to now they went from being that nomadic bounty hunters to nationalists. Yeah. Like, sort of. And not, you know, not in a negative connotation. No, 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 way, no, Because that's not the system that this, no. war, this universe exists in. Although there are, but yeah, in a, just in a, in a very early nationalist way, where like let's have a nation. Yeah, let's let's worry <laughs> let's about us. Be for a, a minute. thing. Yeah. Let's team up with ourselves. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. Or is patriotic more the term? I don't know. I don't know. Either way, nationalist sounded right. Either way, they're more Mando centric than they are credit centric. Yes. Up to uh, as of uh, now, as yeah. Of, yeah. 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 
Cool. And we start on Bevin Farm on Mandalore, where Fett tells the memory-struggling Sintis about 80% of the truth. Been frozen for 38 years. I'm your husband. You're my ex-wife. This is your granddaughter. Rightfully, as Ben did, skipping over the most maybe hurtful information of your teenage daughter is a dead-grown woman. That's that's hard. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, not an easy explanation at any time, let alone when she's blind and confused and newly awakened to life. Mm-hmm. Sit on that for a minute. That's okay. It <laughs> seems... You know, it's it seems dis uh, dishonest. Yeah. But but when the real yeah, like they, I know what you're about to say. Like yeah. when the real consequences are, you wreck her forever. Yeah. Send her into a Keep catatonic a state for a minute. Yeah, right? just for a minute. Yeah. Ah, he that, tells her like I said, like eighty percent. Is that the wrong thing for the right reason? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's okay. That's that's all right. And if the plan is to not lie about it forever. Yes. That's fine. That's fine. Give it a week. Yeah. Just Give it, I don't know, three months. I don't know. That's However long it takes. It's a popular time frame right now. <laughs> he leaves her, though, for an even more monumental moment. Boba Fett finally gets Beskar armor. He's had shitty Durasteel armor, and it's been commented on mm-hmm. by the Mandalorians many, many times over the course of these books. Okay. Now he's even more deadly. More deadly. You thought Boba Fett was deadly for the previous 70 years? Yeah. Where he was the baddest bitch in the galaxy? Now you can't even kill him with lightsabers. <laughs> like It shows And him, obviously like you know, blasters be less effective and all that. That goes to the again the, the have her work for us being I'm the leader. Now he's showing he's even more part of the group than he was before. He's taking their armor, not living in the past kind of deal. And in that moment, he even catches himself and is diplomatic and polite. Like where he's, he's saying something about how, Oh, it's, it doesn't have dents and scratches on it. It's weird that it's new and fresh. Mm -hmm. And the guy kind of gets offended and he's like, Oh, I could paint dents on it. It's Beskar. It doesn't dent. What do you want me to do about it? (laughs) And then Boba Fett catches himself and he's like, I, he hears Mirta Gev's voice in his head, his granddaughter, saying, don't be ungrateful or whatever she says. Don't be a dick. Yeah, yeah, basically. And he's like, oh. And he just tells the guy, it's great. Thank you. Yeah. Whoa. Big steps, man. <laughs> he's forced to climb these gigantic emotional steps and he's doing it on his own also. Yeah. It's not like Mirta Gev was there elbowing him in the fucking back being like, Hey. Be nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, that was him on his own. On his own. Deciding to be nice. Because the guy's a Mandalorian. Yeah. Trying to help a Mandalorian. I don't know, man. This is a fucking massive culture shift for these people. So he puts on his new armor and he heads off to meet with Jaina for the first slash second lesson. I guess the first one was in the cantina, he says. And he thinks about their similar families being destroyed by tragedies and Feel some sympathy for her and a bit of a connection to her. And they proceed to show each other what they can do in a fight with lightsabers. Both of them. Mm-hmm. What is happening <laughs> in this book? What is happening in this book? Boba Fett is lightsaber fighting Jaina Solo for fun. Yes. What is happening in this book? <laughs> this. It's just, it's so... Without all the context of building up to this eighth book. 
pick up just this eighth book and then be like, oh, Jason Solo just casually told someone he was a Sith. Oh, Boba Fett just took his helmet off. Oh, he's fighting Jaina Solo with a lightsaber. This is the, this is this chapter seven, man. Yeah, <laughs> This book is crazy. It's nuts. I, like it's dense. It's a lot of pages per chapter. Cause there's a lot going on. There's this a lot is happening. Bonkers. It's not. Uh, it's not that where we've seen long chapters where it's a lot of like description and filler and yeah. It, there's a lot of revelations and revelations <laughs> and stuff going on. I did that on accident. The fact that he just pulls out a lightsaber and turns it on and starts stalking towards Jaina is like mind bending. Just uh, the whole concept of. He's faced with his oldest enemy's daughter. Lightsaber against lightsaber. What the... Who would ever guess that? Ever in a billion years would you ever guess he'd face her down with a lightsaber? Yeah. And it would be for fun? I know he's got a few. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. That's why she comes to him. He's good at killing Jedi. Yeah. Capturing them. But what a fucking big dick move mm-hmm. to show up to last one and be like, yeah, me too. Snap his. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, here I come. So and long. Yeah, how on. terrifying would that be for a, a guy, deadliest person in the galaxy yeah. um, with the deadliest weapon in the galaxy? To not be afraid of you. With the most impenetrable armor in the galaxy. Yeah. And to not be afraid. He's just a normal... Technically, he's a normal guy. Yeah. And not be afraid of using it or take fighting it, you with Take it. it that next psychological level for the lightsaber, too. Who did he get that from? Yeah, who was that? Because Jaina thinks something like that, or I think she wanted to ask. She's like, probably best not to ask. Mm-hmm. He didn't make it. <laughs> no, no, he, <laughs> he did not. That came off somebody's cold, dead body. That's what's up. And so did the other ones he's probably got kicking her. Like, the subtle implication of that is what makes it such a power move. Yeah. Not only are you in my house, you're outnumbered, you're underarmed, I'm armed the same way you are, I also have secret armor you don't know about, and the way that I got this weapon was by killing you, you know? Yeah. Imso facto. Yeah. Ipso. Ipso. Ipso facto. Yeah. The Hi- only thing hippos, <laughs> hippos and facts, hippos tacos. Yeah. The only thing that could have been more intimidating at the point would be if he had like a compartment on his like gauntlet or whatever. If he opened it up and there was like three or four of them in there, and he's yeah. Like, if he just went like General Grievous and he, and he chose one <laughs> yeah. out of the bunch. This book is wild. Long story short, I don't know what's happening anymore, and Boba Fett gets Jaina to drop her guard. By being super casual. And then punches her square in the lungs. And tells her today's lesson is find the weakness and exploit it. Okay. Not. His first answer here is not a very insightful secret. No. Find your enemy's weakness and use it to kill them. Hey. Thanks for the tip. I guess it's day one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's cover the basics. Fine. So Janus thinking. What's my weakness? What's my weakness? Her weakness is, believe it or not, for the angriest Jedi, playing by the rules. Mm-hmm. The rules of engage, engagement in like tactical war, she applies it to one-on-one combat. Yep. Where, I think they say it, you know, um, 
if I was Jason Solo and you waited for me to attack you, you're dead. You have to be committed and attack first. You don't wait. You do it. You murder. Yeah. You don't let this him plan. Like, you don't. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't. Yeah. You don't wait. Oh, wait for Greedo to shoot first. Cause then it makes Han Solo look like a good guy. No, you shoot that bitch in the back of the head if you get a chance, and it's game over. Yeah, job done. Don't wait for him to grab his weapon and move on. Yeah. Right? Okay, that's a bit of a better. <laughs> it's a bit of a better lesson, but maybe she already kind of knew what her weakness was. So, not so much maybe the secret of how. I don't know how to beat Jason. Maybe that we're getting like titration information again, where it's like little drips of like he's planting tiny seeds. That over the course of this book are going to grow into full ideas and behaviors for Jaina. Yeah. And yeah. maybe part of it could be like you were just saying, getting her to look at what her weaknesses well, are, step what one, her fighting right? style. This is yeah. day one, step one, yeah. basic stuff. Doesn't really seem like secrets like she wants. Where she's like, I I came to Mandalore to find Boba Fett. Like, yeah. This should be Holy Grail stuff, not... Exploit a weakness. But maybe but. being a Jedi, she doesn't think of those kinds of things like a normal person would. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. She's kind of feeling indestructible or whatever. I don't know. But what she really comes to the realization of is that Mandalorians aren't at all what she thinks they are mm-hmm. or were. And like they're they're not cold-blooded killers and stuff. Like they're, They have a culture. They have Cantina Shantytown. They have farms. They have five-year-olds with blasters who are training. Yeah, you know, they have family problems. They have it's, like all this stuff. They're real people, and it's a just a, it's a total culture shock of what she was expecting. Mm-hmm. Where I think what she was expecting was more experience number one in the cantina with seventy guns pointed in your face, and then day two is nobody's laughing at her when Boba Fett knocks her fucking halfway unconscious mm-hmm. with a punch in the chest. Uh, nobody's being sarcastic with her when she thinks they are. They're actually Bevin is actually trying to be helpful. Yep. Um, and Boba Fett seems to actually care about making her understand or or teaching her. Like he seems to actually be invested in this. Yeah. And I think all three of those things are not what she expected. No, absolutely. Know? She probably you walking the lines then. Yeah, thing? expected like a very militant people and just hating her and yeah. wanting well, and especially fighting like, all the time especially like they're all gonna laugh at you <clears throat> yeah they're gonna laugh at you for asking they're gonna laugh at you when you fail they're gonna because they don't like you and you that's what you expect right is yeah. that they hate your guts but they don't they don't care they respect you for coming here because that's badass yeah they respect you for looking for this help because that's badass and they respect you for trying to take on your brother because that's badass yeah it's like you know a total reversal of her expectations it's really it's really nice the way that she wraps that that segment up there with her whatever she's doing she goes to do mechanic work and then a five-year-old walks up with a blaster (laughs) she's like crazy but like awesome yeah she says i don't feel weird about it she's like said she got teary about it or something and not in a forlorn way where i feel bad for this little kid having to carry a gun around or she feels just excited not excited but like happy for the kid being in the culture and i don't know yeah she just gets a positivity out of a five-year-old with a gun yeah and she's seeing which as someone with a five-year-old run for your fucking life (laughs) are you he would shoot me so fast as a joke yeah just be like ah (laughs) Dad? Dad? Be Simba and Mufasa all fucking over again. Yep. 
Oh, jeez. Long story short, <laughs> Jaina is immediately open and learning, and she realizes she's not in Kansas song anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, I was proud of myself when I wrote yeah, that one. I though. like that. I was trying to think of what should I put, Coruscansis or no? Kansas song. Yeah, it, was, it took me like three tries. Cut to <laughs> the Imperial Palace in Bastion. That word is coming up a lot now. Ever since it came up at the end of the last book, before the Imperial Remnant even showed up, the Anakin Solo's defenses with all the YVH droids were Jason's last bastion. Yep. And then now we go there every other chapter. <laughs> it's a place. And, you know? and we... And even outside of this, it's come up a bunch of times for me. It has like, been. It's come up for us in real life. Yeah. It's also come up casually in the in the text as well. Yeah. I've seen two times I think in these eight chapters somebody refer to something as a bastion. Yeah. And I'm just like, what's happening here? Did you learn a new word too? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm using it a lot. Because I was like, I just you know, hammered down the details of the of the definition, but. It keeps coming up. Yeah. So here we are in the Imperial Palace on Bastion, where Peleon is formally receiving Tahiri Vela, and she tables the offer of Bilbringi and Borlaeus are yours for helping defeat Fondor. This is the deal. We'll give you more planets closer to the core if you just come help us win the war. It rhymed again. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. I rhymed again. Now... The deal is on the table, and Gil says, thanks, I'll ask the moths. And when Tahiri leaves, he had a couple of interesting thoughts. Number one, how is Jason going to win this war? The war started over a disagreement of pooling military resources for a single government. Yep. That issue has not been resolved at all, not by any stretch of the imagination, nor is there any resolution for that has been tabled. So, no matter how many planets you conquer how do you win that war the war is about that yeah that's fucking genius yeah i have lost sight of that over the course of all of these all the crazy occurrences and, and wild yeah god boba fett just had a lightsaber out like the war is about not wanting to sh- share weapons yeah, in yeah. case they get turned against you it's essentially very, right. Like, yeah, we don't want to arm. We don't want to arm the, 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 the national military because what if we do something you don't like? And then you're like, Hey, we're, well, here comes them ships. Yeah. Like what? When we can't build up our own defense force, that's bigger than yours. That's not allowed. That was the whole thing. Right. With Kruger. yeah, he hasn't solved that problem. Not a bit. No, he's gone from so how? the problem that started it to just trying to stomp out yeah, every, exactly. Every, Every person who's broken away from the GA, uh, like successively since Corellia did, he just keeps trying to smash them and light them on fire and whatever yep. he can do to prove a point <clears throat> that you can't just ignore Jason Solo and the GA. How do you win this war, though? I don't know. That was really interesting. Number two interesting thing. He says... The government should make civilian life clean and tidy, and the military is its instrument to achieve that. And I thought, that sounds very nice, mm-hmm. and it sounds very imperial, and it sounds very much like Jason. Yes, it does. Right? It's it's shades of gray. How do you apply that statement? Like, how severely do you yeah. apply the fact that the military is the enforcer of peace? 
Yes. How do you enforce peace with violence? Right. Yeah. The whole thing is like a, a dichotomous, unanswerable question. Yeah, it, it's like it's trying to find peace through fear and the classic fighting fire with fire. Yeah. Right. Like you're you're trying to fight this war of violence with violence. Like you're trying to beat the violence with violence. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. You don't even have a solution for when you do win. If you manage to stomp all the planets flat till nobody can fight back, they all have to listen to what you say. Good luck. You don't have you don't have the troops, the ships to enforce that across the universe. No, he's as it is. Jason's barely surpri- or surviving now. The GA needs the Empire. Yeah, to help. They needed the Hapens to help. I don't. This is this was a good segment from him, man, because. I like delivering that information through this character, especially. Yes. Like the government thing and the, the just the depth of uh, wisdom about the war. He's 92 years old. He's been through it. He's been through three galactic civil wars. This is being the third. Yes. Right? Jesus. Yeah. He's probably, probably thinking on a good line there. That's pretty smart shit. And major figure in all of them. My question, though. Over the course of these three galactic civil wars that he's been a major figure in the middle of, did he feel the same way all along about the duty of government and what it's supposed to be for and, like, you know, his principles of the way that he runs his life Hmm. and his expectations of troops and stuff like that? Was it the same when he was in his 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s becoming a commissioned admiral and higher-up officer? Like, to me, for him, it seems yes. Yes. You know, he seems like a constant guy to, to a point. I'm sure he's made a lot of mistakes that he has learned from being yeah. 92 years old. Right. But he seems like a dude who's pretty much been on the same wavelength all his life. Yeah. He seems fairly constant, fairly level headed. Now I th- he's a thinker. Contrast that against Jason in the two wars that we've seen him in. In the first war, he is like the noble valiant knight Fighting the darkness, mm-hmm. which I guess is a little easier when it's a much more black and white war. Yeah. You're right. You're fighting this invading force from another fucking galaxy. They don't belong here and they're wrecking everything. Yeah. But in that one, he's so different. Even through the end of the NJO after he gets tortured and stuff, he's nothing like this, like violence mongering planet smashing troop killing sacrificing yeah no he's he's nothing nothing like that at all that's the power of the force that's the influence of the dark side right because now imagine he never gets into the dark side and he's 92 year old jason solo not darth kytus and he still is the animal loving peace loving everybody deserves happiness guy and nobody should be able to sacrifice your happiness for the future's happiness. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not willing to kill people for the sake of the greater good. He probably would have found a diplomatic solution to the Karelia incident. He probably would be fucking somewhere else. <laughs> He'd be on a... I got a bounce for like 14 years. Yeah, he's, he's off playing <laughs> I, with... I'm going to go learn some shit y'all never heard of yeah. before. I don't know, but I just thought... This is a really cool scene with Pelion. And I just wonder... How the fuck is Jason going to win this war? What a good question that Karen throws at us through through Gil here. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I, I like his ideals for what a government should be, too. Either way, the Moffs get together. They agree to the proposal. And so does old Gil. Then he has a drink and plays the drums into a comm link to summon some help. What? He has a drink on the balcony. And he opens up a comm link. And he starts finger drumming an ancient myth song into a comm link that his long lost friend is going to recognize and come and help him. This is the plan. Mm-hmm. So that sounds fucking crazy, but I trust him. It's weird, but I trust him. I don't know. Chapter eight starts with another famous Karen Travis Blarb. The tracade is primitive. We thought that you wanted state-of-the-art technology, and that is why you allied with us. What is the point of this machine? Sasakili, negotiator of the Roche Hives, to Yir Yalmaget, head of Mandel Motors. On seeing hull images of the Trakad prototype multi-mission combat vessel hull images. Yeah, That's gotta I, it's got to be a typo. That was what threw me off, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yep. I have no idea what this is about. I have no idea. The Mandalorians are buying subpar technology from the Roche bugs. No. That's what... Hold on. You sure? We thought you wanted state-of-the-art technology. What is the point of the Tracod? Okay. What's that? A ship? The, yeah. the tra- It's it's like a flying brick. Mm. And they want state... The Mandal... The Mandals. So... Uh, okay. Yes. Go, are they just underestimating how good the thing is that's been? Sent yeah. To them? So they want state of the art technology for ships, like they want to make that trade. Right. But the the Roche are like, brick and, yeah. And what what is this thing? Okay. This is not worth what you said it was. That sounds right, and that sounds on the theme of the entire galaxy underestimating and misunderstanding Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My note here said no idea. But now I have an idea. Thank you, Tim. Yes. <laughs> you saved the day, buddy. Chapter 8 starts in the Chief of State office on Coruscant, where Kaidus is giving Tahiri a hard time about having not found the Jedi yet, and is also excited to make an example of Fondor with the Empire's help. Tahiri brings up a good point. Hey, you're way stronger than me in the Force. Why don't you fucking find them? <laughs> <laughs> yep Jason's like nah I can't be bothered with that I can't be chasing Luke Skywalker around it's bad for my image I'm better than that I won't be fooled by my uncle like I said very excited to make an example of Fondor why was Centerpoint not enough of an example was burning Kashyyyk alive not enough of an example no apparently not he still thinks this shit is gonna work that begs the question of how much has he upped the ante then? The first thing he thought was going to work was the blo- blockade of Corellia. Yep. And sabotaging Centerpoint. The second thing he thought was going to work was burning a planet alive. What is the third trick going to be? If we're talking about the curve being a half pipe in this fucking book. Cause it is. Yeah. Tony Hawk ain't 900 and up there. It's too much. What the hell is he going to do at Fondor? That is going to be a 
more severe example than lighting a planet on fire from out of reach. I got a couple of ideas. <laughs> uh, neither one of them good. Well, none of them are good. And <laughs> throughout this chapter, as we get more information on what his plan is, I, I'm fucking worried. But he thinks it's going to work. Okay. What I just said, and what we've been saying all along, is essentially what Nyathal says here. She pops in for a little in-and-out visit just to make sure Jason's leaving, I think. Yeah. And uh, she's like, what makes you think that's going to work this time? We've tried this before. And he's like, eh, we'll get him. Yeah. I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. Eh. And I think Nyathal has like a line at some point of, it's ironic for Jason to be, you know, so heartily against the war or against the other side of the war when it's the same kind of stubbornness and refusal to accept no as an answer. Yeah. You that, told me no. He's exactly the same, yeah. right? This is Carillion buddy. He's exactly the same. So she pops in and out of the scene, exchanges some heat with Kaidas, tells him, I'm not sure why you're so ready for this. Once again, just checking in with that disdain and hatred for him not hatred tolerant disdain so that he feels less suspicious you know mm -hmm. he's leaving and so she's the only one left on Coruscant it's a very vulnerable position he's normally probably more suspicious in those situations I'm gonna pop in let him know I hate his guts pop right back out <laughs> so she does and over the course of this scene we get to see Kaidus underestimate a thousand things yeah. A thousand things in this paragraph. Ben, Mara, Luke, Tahiri, Nyathal, Jaina, Fondor, all of them in one sitting here. So I'm sure that's not at all foreshadowing. He refuses to see the repetition of his mistakes brought to him by Nyathal. I thought that was enough. I thought that was enough. Blah, blah, blah. And he just keeps on digging himself in deeper to his position yeah. of, I will smash them. You can't tell me no. Yeah, it's very... Yikes! I loved it when I was 20. It's very <laughs> child kind of throwing a tantrum almost. Yeah, because he doesn't have any guidance. But that's what I hate about this right now. Is that he's 32 years old! Yeah. Come on! <laughs> he's 32 years old and supposed to be one of the most enlightened dudes in the galaxy. He's also the most twisted, dark side wise, right? Yeah. Because of them stupid Yuzhan Vong. Yeah. What would... Oh, give me an alternate universe comic book series. Three issues. Where he doesn't get captured in the NJO. Show me the rest of that. Show me the bug one. Show me this one. Well, three comic book series of like the what if Jason was a good guy. Oh, I want him to be a good guy so bad. I, I, I love Jason Solo. But he's fucking dumb right now. I wonder if they he's would so just stupid right now. If they would just turn around because of the whole twin thing and make Jane as a bad guy. Ooh, I don't like that though. I want no bad guys. <laughs> 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 Which I guess is more telling about my feelings about these characters than my my taste and narrative interest. Yeah. Can't we just see what happens if everybody fucking gets along in this galaxy for once? Wouldn't that be cool? One sentence. It's the whole book series. And the whole galaxy got along. Done. Happily ever after. Yeah. <laughs> right? Classic. Yeah. Oh, that's me, I guess. Fuck me. Cut to the GA fleet hangar. 
The Anakin jumps to Fondor, which means Ben and Shivu are all over chasing Stealth X. Sort of. Droids are going to do the work, and Ben is at a remote location in an intersection with the uh, getaway vehicle, watching through Shivu's helmet cam and droido vision. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, Shivu gets the bot into Jason's Stealth X. And deep in the seat folds, droid bot finds a female hair with blood and DNA tag attached. Like the whole follicle got ripped out. Yep. That's not a casual shed. No, no, it is not. That is a sign. Boom. Evidence captured. Mission complete. Easy peasy. Back to the apartment. But is it enough to convince my dad, Ben wonders. We cut to Fleet HQ, Coruscant, where Nyathal is poring over details of Jason's Fondor plan, looking for any little secret that he's hidden, any information that he's left out, because he's doing that to her a lot, as you do when you're a Sith, with your own plans. She's looking for any little detail she can scrounge up to tell Luke Skywalker to give him an advantage in this apparent strike. Mm -hmm. Third fourth strike at Jason Solo that Luke is planning here at Fondor. Also, Pelion is mentored and... Mentored? His dentures are mentioned. (laughs) And he's referred to as Gentleman Gill. Yes. Yes, that's exactly how it should be. Yep. Yep, just like that. Yep. I love that. (laughs) That might have been the highlight of the whole episode. So Nithal goes home and betrays Jason... Tells his plans to Luke. Tells Luke to, quote, ruin Jason's day. Which also, heartbreakingly for Nyathal, and in a nice, you know, mirror of, I think I said dichotomy too many times already, but the dualism that you're always going to experience in war, she's betraying her own people as well as Jason. Mm-hmm. 150,000 troops on the mission, not to mention the countless... Uh, staff on all of the ships all of the capital ships right she's betraying all of them too yeah at a chance to kill the heart yeah and cut which the would, head off the snake which would end the war which might save more lives right wouldn't end the war i don't even think at this point but it would take him out of the equation and he has been a very negative violent precipitous factor in yeah uh, just about everything he has been escalating this from the very beginning. Yeah. And, take away the main catalyst of everything. Yeah. He's the he's the dynamite in the ice hole, man. He's blowing fish out fucking sky high <laughs> everywhere he goes. So likely, Nithal is getting many of her own people killed. Mm-hmm. And even though she knows it, it's a drop. She tells Luke what Jason's plan is. He is going to... Ring the planet and all of its hyperspace corridors with mines. Layers and layers of intelligent, self-placing, communicative mines. As we said, at the top of the half pipe here. <laughs> Not one of my thoughts from earlier, though. Not <laughs> one of my, my plans. But right. Yeah. So... It wasn't enough to shoot a planet from far away and light it on fire. This one's got shipyards. So we're going to cover space in bombs. So nobody, good or bad, can do anything about it. It's a 
Trap. But is it a trap for him? Is it going to be a trap for Luke? Is it going to be a trap for 150,000 plus <laughs> innocent GA troops? Mm-hmm. Second question. How much damage can Jason do with a billion bombs and hundreds of thousands of shock troops? Will Luke ruin his day? Will Ben ruin his day? Jaina? Fett? Shivu? Tahiri? Mara from behind the grave? All these things that he's carelessly, grossly <laughs> underestimated? He's got a long list. Find out next week. When we hit chapters 9 to 12 of Legacy of the Force, book 8, Revelation. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Go ahead, punk. Ruin my day. <laughs> For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.